Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Greetings, greetings. It's our crappy fanfare. I'm so excited. That means it's election day and we're doing our Citizen Observer show. This is a show where we bring together people who are not political professionals, not associated with campaigns, nothing like that. We just want citizens to describe the feeling they had when they were voting. And you can do that too at 888-720-WNPR. By the way, our, our crappy theme, our crappy fanfare was written by Craig Wedren. I think we have to have him on the show at some point. I don't, he has no idea the impact he's had on us. So, um, <laughs> so yes, if you would like to describe, no, and I don't really care or particularly want to know or need to know anyway who you voted for, what you're angry about or whatever. It's kind of more I'm interested in, well, the kids now have a word for us, for it. It's the vibe. I want to know the vibe when you were voting today, how it felt, where you were, what you saw, what the visual input was, what the auditory input was, how the person in the next voting booth smelled, or whatever they call those little places where you vote now. Uh, 888-7, don't, don't talk about that. 888-720-WNPR, 888-720-9677. Let's get going. We'll sort of show you how it's done. And to show you how it's done, we are bringing aboard the person who like almost helped me invent this format. I I know for a fact that we did it even before I came to public radio. I, I think I, we did it back in the WTIC days. However long we've been doing this format, Lara Herskovich has been involved the entire time. Lara Herskovich is a singer-songwriter, poet, performer, advocate, former Connecticut State troubadour and children's book author. She always votes in Guilford. So we must have done this format like in at least in 2008, the Obama year, right? It's totally possible. I don't think we had that wonderful fanfare then, no. but I'm feeling good about the fanfare today. Yeah, fanfare was very expensive. We couldn't afford it at the time. Um, so uh, I, so I want to hear, basically. I, I mean, I don't have to tell you what to do. You've been doing this longer than anybody else. So um, to talk about voting today. I will. I would love to. Thank you for having me. It's always good to be with you. Um, you know, honestly, Colin, today was different. I I studied political science in college. I'm a fan of democracy. I'm a fan of voting. Um, today really felt different, and it surprised me in many ways. I in the past, you know, when you and I have had this conversation, I have come to my polling place, whether on bicycle or in an automobile, feeling joyful. Like almost like a naive Disney character, like we're gonna vote today, making half jokes with you about one of the streets I, I drive on. It's called Hemlock Avenue, and ha ha ha. But today, all of that felt much more serious. I felt personally, I'm more armored. I felt more nervous. I felt more worried about what's next for this country. And honestly, as you would guess, there's way too many reasons to go into the details of whether it's climate denial or women's rights or, you know, even locally, we have vehement opposition to anti-racist work that's going on in our public schools. But the biggest fear for me today, along with many, many others, which I'm sure we'll hear for the rest of this hour, is the democracy itself. 
is at risk. And I just, on a walk yesterday, listened to your poetry show. And so you were saying that you want poetry or wished poetry was going to be more part of regular day, everyday conversation. So here you are. This is kind of encapsulated in some ways how I was feeling this morning. This is Mary Oliver from a book, A Thousand Mornings. Very, very short. I go down to the shore in the morning. Called I go down to the shore. I go down to the shore in the morning, and depending on the hour, the waves are rolling in or moving out. And I say, oh, I am miserable. What shall, what should I do? And the sea says in its lovely voice, excuse me, I have work to do. And that was my response to my anxiety about democracy was that, excuse me, I have work to do. Um, I found this terrific John Lewis quote, um, freedom is not a state it is an act. It is not some enchanted garden perched high on a distant plateau where we can finally sit down and rest. Freedom is the continuous action we all must take. So that's where I'm trying to shift my anxiety to, you know, okay, but what are you doing about it? My particular polling place, um, this morning I just got here about a half an hour ago. I live in a rural part of a New Haven suburb, as you said, Guilford. Huge turnout, really impressive turnout. Guilford also tends to win the prize. There's some sort of uh, I don't know, scorekeeping on uh, civic engagement in the way of voting. And we tend to be first. And that's no different today. A really huge turnout uh, for midterm. There are more signs here than I've ever seen. So this moment of democracy anxiety is good for sign makers, apparently. The one sign that was of most interest and kind of surprised me in terms of planting seeds for some future challenge here in our nutmeg state was uh, an anti-early voting sign that said, Early voting is too costly and unsecure. I thought, oh, dear God, here we go. Um, and I'll just say, you know, in terms of vibe is that I can feel it. I can feel it in myself, but I can also feel it in other people and conversations that were had in line. Um, I ran into a neighbor who I suspect is probably of a different political persuasion than I am. And I think he probably suspected the same thing. And we were so careful with each other. It was really very interesting. And you know, had a conversation with a neighbor I've never spoken to before about, you know, what did I hear? Uh, Senator Bernier of Wisconsin, a Republican of Wisconsin, quoted Benjamin Franklin um, on the New York Times podcast. I think it was this morning. Yes. What kind of what kind of government do we have? We have a republic. We have a republic if we can keep it. And those were the kinds of conversations that I was having and that I was hearing today. I, I heard the same thing, uh, Bernie, uh, doing that quote. She was terrific, by the way. Although I think she's, she I think, I believe, don't don't hold me to this, but I believe that the alleged Franklin quote is a republic. This woman goes up to him as he's taking a break or leaving uh, the, the Constitutional Convention and says, you know, what do we have? And he supposedly says, a republic, if you can keep it. But he says, mm-hmm. to me, the you is actually really important. <laughs> he's sort of yeah. saying, it's yeah. on you. I, you know, I, I just helped invent a really great government. It's up to you. And so then that kind of yeah. gets back yeah. to everything that you're saying right now. And certainly you brought an unusually large bag of tricks. You've got a Mary Oliver poem. You've got a John Lewis quote. You get something, you know, it's very, it's, I'll say this to you, Lara. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're, that whole idea of people being careful with one another, being a little, you know, this feels like it's a pot that could boil over pretty quickly. But I would hate for you to lose complete contact with your inner Disney character, you know? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that's part of it. That's part of it. If we lose, if you stop being the little bluebird who helps Cinderella get dressed up, you know, that's a loss. You know, that's what are we living for if not yeah. to be able to have inner Disney characters? 
Yeah, I hear that. And I'm really hoping this is clearly a moment of transformation. I think the pandemic in general has been an invitation to transformation. And the question really is, you know, transformation to what? And I'm hoping that with everyone seeing how bad it could get, I think there are really some glimmers of how bad this could be, that we really uh, sort of take our civic engagement seriously and our care for one another more seriously uh, so that we bring ourselves back from the brink of, of what might be next. Well, we now have officially, yeah, we've now officially uh, inaugurated this year's Citizen Observer program with Lara Herskovich, the longest running Citizen Observer, singer, songwriter, former Connecticut State Troubadour, children's book author. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. So we're going to now transfer over to one of our other regularly scheduled uh, Citizen Observers. And then we've got some time to take some calls. We're going to have an inspirational uh, recording by Bill Curry. We've got a lot of things for you today. Uh, but uh, joining us now, I believe it's the second time he's done this with us, uh, Barry Blitt. Barry Blitt is a cartoonist and illustrator for The New Yorker uh, and other publications. He votes in the, the tiny town of Roxbury. Um, and Barry, as I recall, also, you are a naturalized former Canadian citizen. Do I remember this correctly? Uh, you do, Colin. Hi, nice to talk to you. And uh, yeah, this is this is my third time voting since I became a citizen several years ago. And um, compared to my previous experiences at the polling station in in my tiny town of Roxbury, it, this was absolute pandemonium. There were like four or six people ahead of me. <laughs> so I mean, if we're going to extrapolate that out to the rest of the country, <laughs> it's going to be a huge turnout. And uh, but I'm I'm speaking. Subjectively, I, I mean, I wore all black to vote because I have to admit I, I am feeling bleak this time. Uh, and maybe it's because I've been binge watching Handmaid's Tale and that that might not be helping. But professionally, at least, you know, I should be happy about a so-called potential uh, red wave. You know, a political cartoonist ought to thank his or her lucky stars uh for such easy-to-caricature villains, you know, with faces that reveal so much about themselves. And yet the direction of the country feels so bleak and depressing to me. I mean, it feels like a losing battle. So, you know, I hate to be a downer, but I think you're probably going to hear some of that today. Yeah, no, I mean, and subjective is what we want. Uh, and and so how you're feeling and how it feels is is totally what we're up to today. I think that's that's totally right. And yeah, it must be, I don't know, I remember, you know, as somebody who writes some political humor, uh, I remember when Obama got elected and I thought, well, what are we going to do now? <laughs> I mean, he's he's very confident and he's very nice and he's confident and he, he says interesting things and he's kind of everything we kind of wanted a president to come along and be. Whereas, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is like a gift from the gods to you. Unfortunately, Barry, a gift to the gods from for you is usually a bad thing for maybe the republic. I guess. I'm, Obama was really fun to draw. Yes. I mean, in retrospect, I'm certainly compared to Joe Biden. It's, it's really hard to do anything with him that isn't ageist. That's really all you can do. But I, I love drawing Obi- uh, Obama, and I am certainly not crazy about drawing Marjorie Taylor Greene, but I am. I have you know, too many times, and it doesn't look like it's going to be the end of it, unfortunately. No, unfortunately. So six people in Roxbury, that is, that's like a massive crowd. They must have had to have extra security there. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty boisterous. 
but it was all over. It was all over in a second. You know, I didn't talk to my to, to my, my neighbors much, but I, I was in and out of there quickly. Well, Barry Blit, it's always a privilege to have you on. Uh, and actually, we all met to, we, we met on this panel. And uh, Susan Clenard, who's also on the panel, she's going to be on later today. So cool! It's like, oh, great! The, the gang is still together. <laughs> all right. Well, nice to talk to you. Yes. Thanks, to, thanks for calling in. That's Barry Blitt. Uh, you can see his uh, covers on The New Yorker, including one pretty recently, I think, where Betsy Ross is knitting or sewing a, a huge dollar bill instead of a flag. Um, that's, not, you know, that's a Barry Blitt cartoon or illustration. Illustration is the right word for that. Okay, so we get some other people just calling in here, um, and we want to get to them. I guess maybe to just break things up a little bit, though, we do have an inspirational pep talk uh, from, uh, from Bill Curry. Uh, he actually did it for the episode we used to begin our election coverage. We did an episode called Why Should You Care About Politics? Should You Care About Politics? Uh, and so before we get to J.J. in New Britain and Garrett in New Haven and Doug in New Haven, let's uh, hear a one here. All the fear mongering and cheap play acting makes it seem as if our democracy is dead. But it isn't. If you, know, you get close to it, you can feel its pulse. Knock on a few doors for a cause or a candidate you really believe in, and it comes alive. It's such a privilege, I mean, to think of it. This, the, the, the democracy is in trouble, and to be part of a generation that gets to save it. We spend our lives trying to fill up the holes we feel within ourselves, and we search for the perfect job or relationship, when what we're really missing is a connection to our community, a sense of citizenship. Just give a few hours each week to help save the planet or a single life, and you'll feel more complete. It's supposed to be a part of our lives, and somehow millions of us have let go of it. Nothing is so important as politics because that's where the rules get made. All the rules for everything we do, the life we get to live, the world we get to live in, all of it. I once saw a great poster in a union hall that said every hour of every day you are in politics. And it doesn't mean you have to be Ralph Nader, the full-time citizen. It just means you have to give a part of your life over to politics because politics affects you. You can walk away from it. It never walks away from you. And it will affect every choice you get to make for the rest of your life. So you have to get in there and fight for what you believe in. I meet people who tell me they don't vote, and I'm just stupefied and amazed. What they're missing is such a powerful experience. On election day, we are the government. And nothing stands between us and our right to govern ourselves. All the politicians and the lobbyists, they tremble waiting on our judgment. Cast a vote, pick a future. That's what we get to do, and we still get to do. But if we stop doing it, uh, that's when it does die. All right, that's Bill Curry's inspirational speech. We have decoupaged it onto a shower curtain. It's available for nineteen ninety five from mcnickelpants.com. Operators are standing by right now. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Our number is 888-720-WNPR. Again, I want to sort of stress that, you know, obviously you, you'll say what you're going to say, but what we're really kind of interested in is the almost aesthetic, poetic, whimsical, spiritual experience of voting, how it feels to vote on this particular day in this particular cycle. All right, here's J.J. in New Britain. Hi, J.J. Good afternoon, Colin. I'm more depressed than ever following Curry. 
He allowed Roland to beat him. He allowed Roland to beat him, and we've been down a downslide ever since. Right. Well, believe me, he didn't allow it. I was there. Uh, it happened, <laughs> but he didn't allow it. It wasn't my fault either. Uh, Colin, I should have called yesterday on your on your show for uh, regarding people who are opting out of the USA uh, because of the turmoil, and that certainly was my wife and I. Um, I spent COVID. Um, uh, applying for and then receiving after a year and a half my citizenship in the Republic of Ireland. So this is the first election that I am voting in uh, as a citizen of Ireland. And I'd like to think it was different or dramatic. You know, we Irish tend to exaggerate, but your two first callers nailed it. It was still depressing and bleak. And my citizenship had nothing to do with it because we are in a very, very dark period of, of American of American history. And my my citizenship from Ireland was an option for my wife and I, specifically if Trump got reelected. So we were thinking seriously of relocating. Um, so yeah, my my experience at the polls today was was a mixed bag, bleak, depressing, but also understanding it's a privilege to be an American citizen but also proud of, of my new citizenship in Ireland, uh, if that makes sense. That makes sense, JJ. And if you do decide to relocate, I've got a nice piece of property in Sligo for you. There's a bit of a bog <laughs> smell. I'm not going to lie to you. A little bit of a bog <laughs> smell coming up from it. But I, well, we're right next door in Mayo, up Mayo. All right. Well, thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. Thanks a million. Uh, all right, that's JJ. And so, yes, I mean, this you can be all part of this. We do have some very interesting people who we've prearranged with. People who, but you don't have to be an illustrator of New Yorker covers. No, you don't. You don't have to be a world-famous sculptor. You can just be you, and, and we like that too. So uh, let's go to, let's see, we got Garrett uh, here in New Haven. Hi, Garrett. You're on the air. Uh, hi, Colin. Can you hear me? Just fine. Okay, great. I had a I had a really good experience. I, I walked um, to the you know to to where the uh, the, the uh, voting tables were from my house, and it's a beautiful day. And I really you know was appreciative of of how easy it is, and so that was good. Basically, you just give them an ID, tell them your street address, they give you a voting card. And uh, what I really enjoyed was the <clears throat> kind of the um, the party, you know, um, dy- dynamism. Um, I think in my past, I wasn't really used to that. And now seeing things like the working family party, and even though some of these collapsed, you know, the Democrat would collapse into the bubble. The bottom line is I I see better uh, independent style voting occurring. And and I really like that vibe. I I think to get away from the whole Republican Democrat problem is very important to me personally. And I I think it's taking very long time, but I can see it unfolding and, and it gives me a lot of hope. That is, uh, that's great. I mean, look, first of all, I, I think it's important to have hope. And, and I think ultimately voting should be, even in a time of turmoil, the act of voting should be uh, an uplifting experience. And, and I agree. I voted uh, earlier today at King Philip School in West Hartford. You know, I, I was struck by how easy it was. You know, I mean, it was, they were well organized. Uh, they checked me in and they checked me out really fast. And then also... Actually, the big moment was former Attorney General uh, George Jepson was in the hallway with me. And he was actually, even though it's very cold today, he was wearing shorts. 
which I think might have been a Fetterman homage kind of or something like something like that. But I, I was also just walking around the school and schools have changed so much since I went to school and all over the school there are just all these posters and notices about just kind of saluting the and celebrating the individuality of kids and you know there are these mood meters what's your mood today and you know just affirming things and I was thinking yeah it's kind of it was nice to be in the school too you know just sort of think well this looks like a happy school uh, my nominal granddaughter goes there so um, so yeah so I think it's okay if we feel good. Yeah, I did. I felt I felt good, and uh, I, I see. I see a bright future. It just, you know, it might take a little pain and a little time, but you can see it uh, blossoming, for lack of a better word. Yep. I feel good despite seeing George Jepson's likes, although this is the first time in a polling place I have ever said, go put some pants on, that I can recall anyway. I might have said it, uh, you know, back in the 80s. Uh, All right. We'll take a little break here. It's the Citizen Observer Show. We have some uh, people planned, but we also have you planned. 888-720-WNPR. Let's go. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go Team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. And welcome to back to our Citizen Observer Show. It's Election Day. We've been doing this certainly since I first came here. Uh, and actually, I'm pretty sure I did it at least in 2008 before I had even come here. Uh, and what we do is, yes, we, we book some people in advance, but we're also interested in having you call in. Particularly, I don't know, people get emotional. You already hear, heard a lot of emotions so far today on the show, although most of them are <laughs> pretty dark. But uh, whatever emotion you feel, yeah, share that with us, too. We want to know the vibe. The vibe, as the kids say, 888-720-WNPR, 888 720 9677. Uh, we're about to uh, debut a, a brand new Citizen Observer. I bet you she's going to be staying with us for years to come. She's somebody we discovered when she started calling into our Ask Her Tell Me Anything show. Iman James uh, is a competitive boxer uh, and a New Haven public school teacher, votes in New Haven. Uh, Iman, first of all, welcome to the Citizen Observer show. Thank you for having me. So I know you've got a poem for us. I hope you're going to share the poem. That'll be two poems already today. But before you do that, I just would like to just know a little bit about how you felt today or what you saw around you or, you know, just what the overall experience of voting felt like to you. Sure. I wrote something out, so I will read that. Um, 
My partner and I plan to vote early in the day before Zoom meetings and lines. After exiting coffee, we made the short walk to East Rock Community Magnet School, an elementary school across from a dog park we frequent. I half expected to encounter a parade of voters, but few people are out, just construction workers and neighbors with their dogs. Some trees have put out buds in confusion over the past four days, but it feels like fall again in a lovely, crisp sort of way. As we approach the back entrance of the school, there are a few campaign signs mounted in the ground. We turn the corner and there are a handful of voters leaving. Some look serious, like a 20-something-year-old man clutching a piece of mail. Then there's a sign that indicates where we should enter. A teenager sits at the door to welcome us. He is the gatekeeper. His posture is overly relaxed and casual in the way only a teenage boy knows how to execute. He, sends, he says things are organized by straight name, which is helpful. I would have thought the broken up alphabet was for our last name. There are no lines currently, no wait. There are more poll workers than there are voters in the room. We approach our section of the alphabet, give her our address, and she verifies our identities. She's kind and warm. The atmosphere is peaceful and easygoing, a sharp, a sharp contrast from how I felt scrolling through New York Times headlines for the past few days. She gives us our ballots and thick black ink markers and directs us to the private voting booths. I never want to feel as though I'm taking an exam when I'm voting, so I've seen the ballot online before. There are no surprises, and I'm done in under a minute. I deposit my ballot and receive a sticker from the older gentleman sitting by the exit. They are I Voted stickers celebrating the centennial for the women's suffrage in Connecticut, which was two years prior. As my partner and I walk home, we read to each other about Isabella Beecher Hooker, Maria Clemencia Colon Sanchez, and Elsie Hill of Norwalk. Right, well, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing that. That was really, really beautiful. So I don't know, just you know, in your own words, not what you've written down. I don't know. What's the feeling that stayed with you? What's the emotion, the vibe that stayed with you from all of that? By the way, before, while you're thinking uh, about that, I think uh, trees are going to object to being called confused. I think the trees are going to say it's 75 degrees in November. And you say we're the confused ones? Anyway, c- continue. <laughs> Um, I was, I was actually pretty hopeful and I felt good. Um, I feel like everything I've seen on the news made me feel like walking into a voting precinct might just be stressful. Um, and that, yeah, that somehow voting isn't going to go well. Somehow the the democratic process won't go well. And today was just really easy. So that just felt right. Um, in some ways, like voting should be easy. It should be the easiest thing a citizen can do. Um, and at least for me today, it was. Yes, I, I think you put that very well. It should be the easiest thing a citizen can do. Um, I know you've got a poem. Unfortunately, we're a little bit pressed for time now. Um, but Okay. Uh, all right. If, if you wouldn't mind, yeah, just hang on to it. Uh, we'll find some way to get it to people. Uh, but uh, Iman, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, thank you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Um, and all right, we're going to go to one of our other scheduled guests right now. Jack French is a research associate in the Yale Program for Financial Stability at the Yale School of Management. Uh, he, I believe, votes in Durham. Jack French, welcome to our show. Hey, Colin. Thanks for having me. Uh, so uh, you know the question, sort of what was the vibe? How did you feel? How, how, what was the experience of voting like? Yeah, for sure. So I went down around 10 a.m. this morning. It was crisp fall morning, very appropriate for voting. A good number of people coming in and out, but it was surprisingly quiet outside with very light presence from each party. 
Um, and it didn't have that sort of event aspect that was more prominent at the last presidential. I think voting generally, but especially in a small town like Durham, is a local and almost comically old-fashioned experience. But I think that localness is rare for people who are between that age of being a kid and then later having kids. Mm -hmm. I think in comparison to two years ago, that presidential felt more like a Super Bowl, and this midterm is kind of like a regular game. (laughs) There's hardcores out there and a smattering of other people, but it doesn't really have that mass appeal of like even non-fans are there. And it doesn't have as much immediacy as you get with a presidential. So, uh, yeah, I want to just go back to that idea of localness, too, though, because it seems to me that one of the powerful things about Election Day is the feeling of localness, where you vote. And that, yeah, I mean, presidential elections can feel like the Super Bowl, but they are sort of national events in which you feel like you're, I don't know, maybe a tiny little krill floating in a gigantic ocean. Where, I don't know, one thing I like about midterm elections is they really do feel like that you're part of your community at that moment. That's what you're really doing. You're casting a lot of votes for people who are specifically going to represent a smaller group of you. I agree, and it's it's one of the remaining ways that you're attached to your community that you came from. My my brother votes in Durham as well, so we both went down this morning, and it reminded me a bit of uh, when we were younger and had to go to the polls with our mom. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think experiences like that are one of the main ways that uh, that people fall into one of those two camps of either voters or non-voters. Because yep. I think increasingly it's it's uncommon for, for people generally to have a really nuanced and case-by-case approach to things. It, overall, it's much easier to be a coffee person or a tea person than to get up every morning and weigh the pros and cons of each. Mm-hmm. And so increasingly, you're either just going to be voting in every election because that's what you do and you're a person who votes, or you're a little bit more passive and you just are not that bothered and probably don't have disdain for voting, but you're not out there every time. That's one of the more memorable quotes of this show, I think. It's easier to be a coffee peer person or a tea person than to get up every morning and weigh, weigh the merits of each. That's really good. Uh, <laughs> nice analogy. All right. Well, listen, Jack French, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for sharing your experience of voting. Uh, I, I love that point, too, about and, and everybody listen up, because when you take your kids with you to vote, you are very possibly, very probably, minting future voters. So that's like a really good thing. All right. So uh, we've got some regular people. I mean, everybody's a regular person. But let's uh, talk to uh, Mary uh, in, uh, where's Mary? She's in Plainville. Hi, Mary. Mary, are you there? Yes. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, there you are. Yes, I absolutely can. Okay. okay. So tell it. Yeah, tell me about voting in Plainville today. Um, I voted uh, earlier today at the um, elementary school where my daughter went to school, and I took her to vote with me there. Um, She is now a young adult pursuing her career. Um, So, what was interesting to me as a mom of a young woman today, this vote felt so important to me because of her rights being, uh, you know, changed with Roe v. Wade and her opportunities to um, 
have a family someday and she could be someone in a situation with her pregnancy that it might um could be a life-threatening situation and having someone choose for her how that will go is frightening um so for me it was super important to vote today but i i do vote in every election because that's um i was raised to be active and participating but today felt uh, different to me as a woman in America. So, um, yeah. It felt super different. It felt super different. Did it feel good and empowering to be able to cast that vote, knowing its implications for your daughter, or were you mostly kind of worried? Um, I, I always, you know, I'm a glass-half-full person. I'm hopeful that we can turn this ship around and begin to... Um, there were so many be kind signs during COVID, and where are they now? Mm. Mm. Ooh, great, and great line. Yeah. We, 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 we could reach out more. Small acts of kindness were everywhere, and they've, got, they've seemed to go away. I work in the public sector, and we could respect one another more. But for men that are over 60... And mind you, I'm 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 close um, to make reproductive right decisions for young women that might be in life-threatening situations, as we see occurring in Texas now. If you follow the news, um, that scares me. All right. So and how? Yeah. Did, yeah. Finish and, your thought. And my final thing would how. How do we decide that the mom's rights supersede the babies, or the babies supersede the mom? I, I don't. I don't. We're playing God, and that's frightening. All right, Mary. Uh, so yeah, once again, this is probably one of the less exuberant <laughs> election days, Citizen Observer programs we've ever done. But you know what? You know, we don't take it to decide the vibe. The vibe decides the vibe. All right, I'm thinking that we go to our break here. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We have one more segment here. We've got some callers. we got Doug. we got Fred. Charlie Barber is about to join us and talk about his experience voting, too. Okay, before I say thank yous, i got to tell you about something else, which is that tonight, starting at 8 p.m., I will be back here in this radio studio along with John Henry Smith, uh, the great news anchor. We will be co-anchoring, or he's going to anchor, I'm going to be an analyst, and we're going to offer you coverage alongside NPR coverage, which I believe is anchored by Aisha Roscoe tonight, um, so that we'll have uh, live NPR national coverage, but we'll also be doing three break-ins per hour now, break-in sounds wrong. We actually won't come to your house and take stuff. Uh, but we'll be cutting into the coverage about three times per hour to update you on stuff that's going on here in Connecticut, assisted by the greatest Connecticut news team ever assembled. That would be our Connecticut public. I mean, you know, I, you got to have some pride here, some team pride. But anyway, so we will have reporters in the field. We'll have experts. We will have political celebrities. I don't know. I'm making promises I can't keep anymore. But please uh, think about tuning in tonight because that way you can just put a cold compress over your eyes. 
you know, and drink a sip of a big glass of red wine. <laughs> you don't have to look at anything, and we'll just tell you what's happening. All right. Meanwhile, today's show. Oh, we got just an unusual concatenation of talent here. Cat Pastors, the technical producer, as usual. Lily Tyson is the uh, senior producer of uh, the, this particular radio show, but she's also this particular episode's producer. But Jonathan McPants is also up here screening calls. So I don't know when have we all been like together like this and the time of the pandemic. I'm not sure. Has it ever happened? Have we even had one of these days before? Somebody tell me. Uh, all right. doesn't really matter. Uh, so we're, we're taking phone calls right now. We've got some scheduled guests here. We have some unscheduled calls from you at 888-720-WNPR, 888-720-9677. Turnout seems to be kind of vacillating a lot. I mean, you heard Lara Herskovich say it was just packed uh, in Guilford. I've heard that also about East Lyme today. Uh, but then we're also hearing hearing from some places where there's not that many people around. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that for you as the day goes along. Tell you more about that tonight. Uh, let's go now to one of our scheduled guests here, one of our citizen observers. Uh, this would be Charlie Barber. Charlie Barber is a nonfiction author and writer in residence at Wesleyan University. He votes in Middletown. Uh, and Charlie, welcome back to our show. Thank you, Colin. So, uh, yeah, just first of all, just describe what happened to you today, how you felt while you were voting. I voted in Middletown at around 10 o'clock, and it was very crowded. There were only about two parking spots in the lot, and it took about a, you know, not long, but about a five-minute wait to get in. And it felt good for me personally. I always sort of feel a little bit of satisfaction filling in the little circles and, you know, letting my voice be heard. It was um, what I saw was in Middletown, more Democratic signs outside the polling area than Republican. But then a young woman wearing a red Trump hat in the, um, you know, in, in, in the place and Trump signs on the way to uh, to vote. So, um, so Charlie, I've known you for a long time, uh, and I know that you have a lot of keen psychological insights. Uh, and I, I guess I've known you since I reviewed your first book. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you either talk about sort of how you felt psychologically or whether there's some kind of collective psychological insight you have into the minds of voters on a day like this. I'm putting a lot of pressure on you, and I know that. I understand. Yes, that. absolutely. Yeah. I'm putting a lot of psychological pressure on me. Um, so, you know, I must say, given all the storm clouds circling nationally and globally and everything else, and all the things, you know, 75 degrees in November, and we go on and on and on, it feels, you know, it is a privilege to vote. And I honestly like filling in the circles and sort of thinking about it and it is satisfying and weirdly heartening um, to vote. And then, you know, in Middletown, it's a cross section. So you see all kinds of people and it feels, it feels a little bit Thornton Wilder like maybe this is just my Pollyannish, you know, need for a Pollyannish uh, sort of um, take on it today, but it feels like our town. It feels, it's very classically New England in it. And so it feels satisfying. But then I think in the broad picture, it's terrifying. So I think satisfying and terrifying are the words of the day. I mean, one thing about it is, as you're talking, I'm thinking about this. This is sort of, 
it's also a moment of silence. I mean, so much of politics in a political season is noise, right? Is uh, is cacophony? Is people trying to make sounds come out of their mouths in ways that will cause us to listen to them? And it is it's a tiny little moment when you're filling in those circles. Uh, but there's a zen to it that I think you're describing too, right? You're sort of present in that task. You got to get the you got to get the ink inside the circle. You don't want it smudging too out there, too far out there. You don't want the marker equivalent of a hanging chad. So there's a focus and a, and a quietness, and you get one moment during the day anyway where there's some kind of stillness. Yeah, and I think the ritual aspect of it as well, and and it. It was totally quiet in the in the school gym. Uh, it was, you know, solemn, kind of solemn, um, and 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 exactly. And then the other sort of element of silence, sort of taking it to a new level, is we observed a couple of folks doing curbside voting, um, and where you know I sort of didn't see it all in action, but I think they come out and drop off your, you know, your ballot and take it back inside, and that's sort of bringing it to an even more you know, hermetically sealed environment. Right. Although a number of people wind up accidentally voting for curly fries under those circumstances. So uh, right. you, you got to be careful. Charlie Barber, it's so great to hear your voice. I know you got some exciting projects coming out, too. And we want to talk to talk to you about them uh, as the year goes along. But thanks for doing Citizen Observer for us. Thanks so much, Colin. See you soon. All right. So that's Charlie Barber. So we've got one more of our designated Citizen Observers. And... Um, maybe before we go to Susan, though, let's take one call. We've got Lois here at the top of the board. Here's Lois in Rocky Hill. Our number, 888-720-9677. I can't promise everybody that they'll get on this late in the show. But hi, Lois from Rocky Hill. Hi, Colin. Thank you for having me on. Sure. I left early this morning to go take my walk, but voting was the first order of business. I met a neighbor as I was walking over. We walked over together to the local school. We met another neighbor coming out on her way out after voting. We saw the local priest on his way in to vote. There were Girl Scouts selling cookies in the lobby. Uh, It was just all so civil. It was so civic, almost Pollyanna-ish, as your, your previous guest just said. I have no idea how these friends voted, but that's democracy. That's civility. That's what this country is all about. I was additionally aware that there were people elsewhere here in my own country that were perhaps not so civil experiences, maybe elements of intimidation, and that saddened me to think that we'd come to this. You know, so I, I, I felt lucky today. Well, I love that you're saying all that. And, you know, I also think we're voting in a, in a midterm election like this. We're voting for legislators. We're voting for people who keep the government around us running or who who create the, the laws and policies that guide the government around us. And so something as simple but as enduring as the Rocky Hill Glastonbury Ferry, you know, things like that mm-hmm. that are kind of symbols of what, what does government do? What is What good is government? Well, good, government does a lot of stuff, uh, including get you across the river when you need to. So thanks very much mm-hmm. for, for sharing your sense uh, of civic comity. Uh, we're going to uh, go right now to our final scheduled uh, citizen observer of the day. As I say, it's sort of weird because she and Barry Blit and I all met. We were on a panel at Wisdom House 
And I think Susan was the only one who actually brought any wisdom. We didn't know we were supposed to bring wisdom. Uh, but <laughs> Susan Clark is joining us. She's an amazing sculptor. I am uh, privileged to have uh, one of her smaller works in my house. She's the owner of Clenard Sculpture Studio in Hampton. Go look at her work. If you haven't seen it before, it will blow your mind and open up your soul. But that's not what we're here to talk about, Susan. We're here to talk about <laughs> voting. So let's do that. Hi, Colin. Hi. Thank you so much. Uh, well, I had the great privilege of voting today in New Haven at Wilbur Cross High School um, with my newly turned 18-year-old son, wow. who is a recent gra- graduate uh, at, from Wilbur Cross. And uh, I don't know, that already set a vibe, that already had something very powerful there. I'm, you know, arm in arm with my wonderful son, and um, who's very informed and who, uh, you know, is and a, a grand observer himself. And so um, it was It was probably around 8.30 or so in the morning. There, It wasn't packed. Um, I didn't, did not have the experience like in the Obama, uh, you know, of voting and the queue was out the door and lots of swirls and beautiful, um, you know, curly cues there. But um, I was doing head counts in my, in my own mind of how many females I saw there. I mean, that for, in my own psychology, I was hoping to see that there were a lot, a lot of women showing up. Um, and there was, a, it was about a three to one average, um, between the time I, uh, three, three women to one men, um, when we were there. Anyway, it was, uh, civil and it was calm. It was peaceful. Uh, it was, I, all your guests, I've been listening and feeling everything everyone's saying and, uh, feel, terribly fortunate that I can walk in and, and calmly place my vote. There was no chaos. Um, but I, I'm feeling the nation's, the nation, let's just put it like what, what we're all, what we're all pushing through and what we're all um, experiencing. Um, and so, but having my son shoulders to shoulders was something powerful because it also, it also made me feel hopeful um, because Having spent time with some of his friends, I know that there are some very, very beautiful young young people that are are now entering, um, you know, entering the adulthood and decision makers and going to college. And so I do feel a little bit hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> One reason I love yeah. talking to visually stimulated people like a sculptor uh, is I see maybe a big, long, possibly snaking line. You see swirls and curlicues, uh, which which I love. <laughs> did did your son offer? I know eighteen year old boys are not notorious for sharing their emotions or anything like that. But to the extent that well, his soul I, was I penetrable, were you able to? Of. Can you say anything about his his state? Yeah, I I did kind of like so. What did you think? And and I had sent him sent him things to read up. Ahead of time, um, and he would have done it anyway. He he is an informed young person, but uh, he he on the way there, we were kind of joking because every sentence he would finish, and I approved this message, um, you know, because he's he was blown away by the bombardment of all of the ads from both parties, um, as we all have been. Just you can't you can't get through three images without getting. Uh, some political ad and, you know, which for a young person must feel even more surreal, at least for us. We're like, Oh, we know how this goes, but um, you know, 
So it was kind of an, a joke. I'm like, I approved this message. And we get in there and he left. He was really quiet. And he said, Mom, what if, what if they didn't put Democrat, Democrat, Republic, Republican or Green Party, you know, after? He's like, what if, what if everyone really had to do their homework and they just put the candidates' names down there? And I thought, oh, well, that would be a, <clears throat> interesting. But, but his point being clear. Um, I think his you know, point is how great. Many of us, I think yeah. that's great. Like how many of us go in there and just fill in the fill in the you know ovals and not really think or put time into actually considering every you know everyone who they are truly? Um, yeah. No, I thought I think that's amazing. Uh, I I, yeah. I think uh, he, you've raised a, a thoughtful young man. So congratulations on that as well, <laughs> Susan Clinard. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Uh, wouldn't Thank be citizen, you, wouldn't be a citizen observer day at this point without Susan. So uh, we're going to go uh, now to one last caller. I'm sorry to everybody else. We've just kind of run out of time here. Sorry to Doug and Fred and Michael. But here's Norma in West Hartford. Hi, Norma. You've got I don't know a minute and a half maybe. Okay. Hi, Colin. So um, I had, have had a wonderful life. Uh, I, uh, at 19, I went down and uh, participated uh, as a student, as a college student, with uh, Dr. King in Birmingham, Alabama, in Freedom Christmas between December and January 65-66, right after the voter registration law was passed, National Voter Rights Law. And uh, so my whole life has been about one world. Um, and um, I founded two interdistrict magnet schools in Hartford. And I was interracially married for 29 years, so I have biracial children. And I have been following politics very closely for all through this season and felt so much was on the line in voting today, you know, and I went in very excited, very optimistic, as I always have been, because I've seen wonderful things happen in my life, and uh, came out thinking, go blue! <laughs> I was very excited. All right. So, yeah, I'll th- be watching. That is, that, it's a beautiful way to end, I think, with somebody saying, uh, I've seen wonderful things happen in my life. Let's hope some wonderful things happened today. Some things already did. People vote. They thought. They felt. They experienced life in a democracy that is still functioning despite some efforts to undermine it. So thanks to everybody who did this show today. Thanks to my staff here. We'll be back at 8 p.m. tonight. We're the greatest Connecticut news team ever. Whatever. We choose to share your love with Oh, God bless America, the heart of man. Oh, God bless America, the heart of man.